Welcome. My name is Kareem. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, this is episode 27. On uh, today's episode, uh, we are in discussion and conversation with Arturo Marcano, who uh, works uh, for ESPN, lives here in Toronto, uh, originally from Venezuela. Uh, he is a, a lawyer by profession, uh, but currently uh, writes for ESPN uh, regarding mostly baseball and uh, the problems in Latin American countries caused by the globalization of baseball um, and other baseball issues as well. Um, he's also the author of Stealing Lives, The Globalization of Baseball and the Tragic Story of Alexis Quiros. Uh, in today's episode, if you are a baseball fan, you really, really need uh, to listen to this hour-long conversation uh, that I have with Arturo. We go through everything from uh, Caribbean baseball, otherwise known as winter ball, uh, here in Canada and North America, uh, the relationship that Major League Baseball has with the Latin American countries, um, and uh, how that has uh, been detrimental uh, to Latin American countries uh, and uh, the baseball players there, and how they treat various uh, other baseball communities such as uh, Japan, Puerto Rico, and Mexico uh, in relation to uh, the other Latin American countries, more specifically uh, the Dominican Republic and uh, Venezuela. So I really hope uh, that you enjoy this conversation with one of baseball's most uh, trusted uh, writers and thinkers, Arturo Marcano. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Is good. You want more? No, no, no. You're no, no. good. Yeah. Awesome, Arturo. Thank you so much <laughs> for joining me today. We had some technical difficulties, but everything is fine now. Um, you're from Venezuela. Yes. Well, first, thank you, Karim, for the invitation. Oh for no having worries. Me. Like it's really an honor to be here. Yes, I, I, I was born in, in Caracas, Venezuela. Um, I grew up there, and I moved to Canada in 1998. Because of a girl? <laughs> no, no, I came married. I came married. Okay. Uh, it was because my wife got a scholarship in the University of Toronto. Okay. Uh, so we moved here, just thinking that we were going to stay, like, for two years. <laughs> and that was in 1998. Wow. <laughs> and you're still here. I'm still here. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. And well, he, welcome. And she finished that, like... Many years ago, it's, we just loved the city. Yeah. Yeah. But just to give some people some, some context, um, I met you. I was going to say we met, but really I met you. Um, you're, you've given a couple of talks or you've been on a couple of panels um, at Pitch Talks, uh, which started in Toronto but now is all over Canada and in the United States. Um, and you've also written a book, which you also talked about, um, called Stealing Lives, The Globalization of Baseball and the Tragic Story of... Alexis Quiros? Quiros. Quiros. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, 
your your talk and your your panel with Morgan Campbell, who's also been on the show, really fascinated me. Because, you know, we hear the same thing all the time in Toronto, right? Who's mm-hmm. hitting? Who's not hitting? Why is the pitching so good? Why is it so bad? Mm-hmm. Should the manager get fired? It's the same thing over and over again. But when you and Morgan talked about baseball from the Caribbean, when you, when you talked about um, how players are being discriminated or, or how they're being taken advantage of, that fascinated me. Um, just baseball outside of MLB fascinates me. Um, and you guys told really great stories and really opened my eyes about really, you know, as your book says, the globalization uh, of baseball. Um, but let's sort of start, um, I guess, so- somewhat in the beginning. You're actually a trained lawyer? Yes. Is that right? Yeah? Yes. Yes. I, I'm a lawyer. I, I went to law school in Venezuela. Then I did a master's degree of law at Indiana University where I met David Fittler, who is the co-author of the book. Okay. He, he was my teacher oh, wow. uh, and in the master's program. And then I moved here. And after that, I came back to university, to UMass, to do a master's degree in sports management. That was in 2004. Did you ever practice law? I did. Okay. I did. I did for what kind two, of law were you? Corporate law. Okay. I did that for two years, and then I decided that that was something that I want. I don't want it to do. No. No. <laughs> no. Really, like it, it was like the working from seven a.m. in the morning until like eleven, twelve at night every day. Like no time for family, no time for anything. They, they pay well. But at the end, I think you lose, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so I decided that that that's, that that wasn't my my career, and I started. I I always was was fascinating with baseball, and especially baseball in Latin America. So uh, I said, "Were you well, fascinated in, at, like, as a child in terms of the child, athletes, or, yeah. or were no. you fascinated about the business aspect?" No, at first I, I started as a yes, as a fan of baseball, right? When I was a kid, like, I grew up watching my favorite Venezuelan team, listening to the games every night, like praying that they win. Like, yeah. Like, like, it was incredible, that experience. And then after a while, I say, well, there is a business here beside baseball, beside the game. Yeah. And it looks pretty interesting, too. Like, so I started just to get into research and, and starting to analyzing contracts and the MLBPA, the, 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 the Major League Baseball Players Association. And, and then that's something that we can connect later with the book. But w- once mm-hmm. I, I went to Indiana University, I, I had to do a thesis for my master's degree. So my teacher told me, well, what do what you want to write about? And I said, well, I, I want to write about the, this whole process of signing baseball players in Latin America because they actually they, they signed these players to a contract. So I, I want to do my thesis about that. MLB teams. MLB teams, okay. yeah. And the guy said, wow, that's interesting because <laughs> that's not like a common topic, you know. And so I said, well, perfect. And and, and my professor was David Fiddler. You know? And... But the funny thing, Karin, is that I started doing research for my thesis, right? I, I, was tr- I started to look for books about baseball in Latin America. Yeah. And I found nothing. Nothing. I actually, well, it's not true. I found like two or three books. But they were telling a story that it wasn't the, the whole story. 
It, it was more, mostly based on some journalists or people who went to maybe the Dominican Republic for a week and decided to write a book about baseball in the Dominican Republic. Mm. You know? and, and so every time I, I, I was checking these books and I was checking this material in general, I said, this is not what is really happening. You know? There is something more beyond those, those books. And, and so I started talking to, to my mentor in that moment that it was Fiddler and, and I told the guy we, we have nothing David like we, we, we don't have books about this that we can use as a reference yeah. uh, you, you have to trust me basically you have to trust me that what I'm telling you is the is this truth and because I saw what is going on and, 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 and David was that's, that's, that's not easy to do in a law school right because when you write a thesis you supposedly you have to write something that is based on a lot of documentation right yeah and, and in my case it was you were creating that documentation. yeah i was creating all the documentation <laughs> and so but he trusted me so we started working together and and finally i did my thesis that was basically the step be before this book the the the, the step before stealing life mm -hmm. and, and 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 the thesis was exactly about how mlb team goes to latin america to sign players all right and is there, there are no in that moment there was no rules there was even no almost no baseball academies there was no anything anything yeah. anything it was totally like the wild west um, so we described the process in the thesis and then after that we got an offer from a publisher oh wow uh, that read or my thesis that the thesis then turned out to be a, a paper for a law journal magazine in the US Somebody read the Law Journal magazine, the article that, w that it was based on the, on the thesis, and then we got an offer to do the book, and that's, that's how the book came, right? Wow. <laughs> you, you talk about um, Latin American players being signed as free agents. Mm -hmm. And to me, as an outsider who doesn't really understand the intricacies of free agency or, or baseball or, or any of that, to me, I would look at that and I would go, that is amazing. That is, you know, so great for these players who come from poverty. This is amazing that they got signed. This is probably the best system, right? Uh, yeah, system ever. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, no, in theory, that's you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, and and it basically in the major league, in major league baseball, in the big leagues, the, everybody wants to be a free agent, and they they don't get that right until they play more than six years in the big leagues. Yeah. Before that, they are on the control of the team. So if you, you say, wow, these kids in the Dominican Republic of Venezuela, they are already free agents, so they are free to negotiate with every team. And that sounds great, but that's not how the system works. Mm. And, and they are free agents because the, the other option is to incorporate them into a draft. That is the, way, okay. is the way that Americans and Canadians and Puerto Ricans yeah. get signed of that age. Okay? Uh, in the Dominican Republic of Venezuela, the system works like this. They have these kids playing baseball since they are probably 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Uh, uh, from that moment, you start seeing scouts covering their careers, like talking to them. Mm. Then uh, around when they're 15 years old, they get signed informally mm -hmm. because you know, like they have to be 16 to sign legally. Was that the the situation? Sorry to cut you off. With uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
that the Jays signed? They, they signed when he was 16. When he was 16. Yeah. But there was talk about him being with the Jays even before that. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Because and 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 they know that. Like MLB knows that. Like the the how the system works is that you need to to sign these guys illegally when they are 15. Okay. Then okay. you get control of these players, and w once they turn 16, yeah, you sign them officially. Officially. But the, the, that relation, that contract relation, goes beyond b before they they are legally able to sign a, a contract, mm -hmm. and that's how it, that's how how it works. Like everybody knows that. But this is specific to Latin America. That's specifically to Latin America, and not to all Latin America. Well, okay. The the two. <coughs> Main sources of, of players are the Dominican Republic and yeah. Venezuela. Okay. Then you got, well, Puerto Rico is part of the draft. Then you got Mexico. Mm -hmm. But Mexico, the system in Mexico is very similar to the system in, in the system in Japan, where the owners of the local teams yeah. get control over the players, and then they will sell the players to the MLB teams. Okay. okay. So, the, so, in other words, there are no free agents. In Mexico. In Mexico. The, okay. the, the, if an MLB team wants to sign a Mexican guy, a Mexican player, he has to go and talk to the Me to the owner of the team who owns the okay. the, the contract of, of okay. these players, and then buy that contract. So, and that's why you don't see many Mexican players, hmm. because that system is so controlled by the team owners, and also the uh, there are two different professional leagues in Mexico: the one on summer and the one on winter. So and there is a lot of investment in these teams, and and so the the owners want to get profit out of that investment, and so they keep the players. Sure. Unless the player is like such a great prospect that they get offered like for a million dollars or something like that, so they will sell it. Really? Yeah, but but that's the main reason why you see so many Dominicans and so many Venezuelans and not so many Mexicans. Because they're free agents. Because they're free agents, and you can sign as many players as you want, and. The, the whole system, wh when we wrote the book, the, the average signing bonus was low, was sure. very low. Uh, I think it was around $5,000. Right now, that, that increased a lot because when I wrote the book, agents were not allowed to be part of the negotiation because the teams told these kids and their parents who are basic, they're coming from very difficult backgrounds, mm -hmm. like educational and socioeconomic backgrounds. I can imagine, yeah. yeah so w the negotiation was the scout telling the kid and the parents, hey, I don't want to negotiate with agents. I want to negotiate directly with you. Yeah. And that, that process was great for the teams because they were able to, to, to sign these kids for nothing. And, and and not only they were signing these kids for nothing, but they were signing tons of kids, like hundreds of kids, thousands of kids, so with a minor investments. And that system stayed like that for many years, and then suddenly a group of informal agents in the Dominican Republic started to learn that they could make money out of that system. So they become what we call, or what is called, the Buscones system. What does that mean? Buscon is, is somebody who searches for a player. No, that's okay. The, that's the, the, that's the, the meaning of the word. Mm. In, in, in the Dominican Republic and in Venezuela, Buscon is an informal agent, the guy who, who looks for players and then negotiate the contract of that on behalf of that player to, to the, to to the MLB team. team. Yeah. It, are there no leagues in Venezuela or Dominican Republic? At, at that level, no. At no, that okay. level, no. 
Okay. The, in the in the Dominican Republic, there is basically no leagues at all except the winter league. In Venezuela, there are like a like a little leagues mm -hmm. that is a little bit organized. Okay. But also because the problem in Venezuela, like the leagues are struggling a little bit, the little leagues, because these new informal agents are taking control of these kids since from 11, 12 years old, and they are ah. just not letting them to play in those leagues. They, they, they're creating their own special academies where they keep these players, they train these players, and then, then sell them to, to the MLB teams for a lot of money in some cases. Interesting. So, so these academies then mm -hmm. in the Dominican Republic and in Venezuela, are they owned or, or run by Major League Baseball teams? Well, you, ha you have two types of okay. academies. You have the, the ones that are run by MLB teams. Okay. And the private academies. Okay. Right? The private academies are run by agents or buscones. Okay. Okay. So in in the Dominican Republic, we have like all the teams have an academy there. Okay. In, in Venezuela, in 2000, there were 20 academies. Yeah. Right now, there is none. Zero. Because? Because of the social-political crisis in Venezuela. Oh, okay. And so people start li leaving the country because mm -hmm. they didn't feel safe. Scouts told MLB teams that they didn't want to work on that environment because sure, they were sure. getting... It's dangerous. It was really dangerous. And so they left. All the teams left. They, they still signed Venezuelan players, but what they do is they just send scouts there once in a while. They will sign them there, and then they will send it to the Dominican Republic. Oh, and they will train them in the academies they have. Yeah. Uh, hmm. So, but but in Venezuela, since there is no MLB teams with academies, right? What you see now is a lot of these private academies, okay. where, where these private a the agents train these players and give them food, uh, basically take control of their life completely, and then they will get like a 30, 40, 50 percent wow. of the signing bonus. Why? So it, it's it's really interesting. So Major League Baseball will respect the leagues of Mexico and Japan, mm -hmm. um, but not the leagues in Dominican mm -hmm. or previously in, in Venezuela. Why is that? Well, because the, the, the Mexican league goes in the summer too. Okay. Uh, so, so basically they want to not respect but they, they acknowledge that if you have a system like the one in Venezuela and the Dominican Republic you will kill the summer league in the Mexico uh, because you will sign all the players right? Okay. Like, so the owners in Mexico yes establish that they have to protect their leagues and they created this system to protect their leagues uh, it's the same in Japan right? yeah because they want to protect their leagues. If, if Japanese players were free agents, like probably that would be a hard hit on, on their own leagues. And mm -hmm. Probably even some of the team will disappear because Major League Baseball team will sign all the best prospects. Uh, in Venezuela, in the Dominican Republic, you don't have summer leagues. You only have winter leagues. So there is no like conflict of interest right there. Like There is nobody who is telling this guy, hey, you are invading my territory because the MLB season goes 
as you know, until October. And, yeah. and the winter ball starts in October and then finish in January. So there is not a conflict in, in both leagues. So that's why they had that system in, in Venezuela and the Dominican Republic. But th at the same time, they, they impose the system that they want to impose. Right. Like at the end, there's yeah. they, they have the power, they, they have the money to sign these players, they control the system. They need the source of players. They need that source of players. Like half of the minor league players are coming from Venezuela or the Dominican Republic. So why? So let me get back to these players and their free agents. Um, so, you know, you're you're saying that you know back in the '80s, '90s, signing bonuses of a few thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. um, ha, has that changed now? Yeah. That changed because of the Buscones and, and because Ayen started to get involved in that process. Uh -huh. uh, and that pushed not only the signing bonus really high in some cases, but also increased the corruption in the Dominican Republic. And because you started seeing teams signing a lot of players and then you, you figure out that they were not signing like real prospects, but they were some of the people who were working for them in the Dominican Republic were stealing the money out of them, telling them that I'm signing a great profit and it wasn't true. Uh, they, oh, fire, they fire a couple of general managers because of that. They found a guy with like $25,000 in a, in a suitcase going from the Dominican Republic to Miami, uh, a, a, like a high official guy from the Chicago White Sox, and those $25,000 was part of these deals they, they were doing illegally in the Dominican Republic. So corruption get really got really high on because of the signing bonus really also jump, mm -hmm. um, and then these Buscones started to gain power, because when we wrote the book, the Buscones were nothing. Okay. Like right now, if you need to do something in, in the Dominican Republic, you need to talk to a Buscon. Like hmm. they control the whole thing. They they have been they they have been cashing money for the last five seven years. Again, uh, as I say before, like 50% of signing bonuses. Sometimes yeah. the, the, these kids are signed for $5 million, $3 million. So they got they, uh, a million and a half or $3 million in each of those transactions. So these, these, are, these are person people with a lot of money now, a lot of connection. And MLB is scared of them. Like they, they, they should control what they do. And they don't want to control what they do. And, in, and I, I can read something from a report from MLB. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's funny, Karin. When, when we wrote the book, we, we were highlighting all these abuses of the system in mm -hmm. Latin America. The first reaction we got from the book is that, no, come on, you, you're lying. You're exaggerating. Like sure. Uh, MLB teams were attacking us. We... we we were basically blacklisted because, again, they, they, they thought that we were not telling the truth. Years later, Bud Selig sent a guy, Sandy Alderson, who is the current general manager of the New York Mets, sent Sandy Alderson to the Dominican Republic to do a report on the whole process of signing baseball players. Basically checking to see what you wrote was yeah, true. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it was it was like in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Yeah. So probably they had some of these things in their mind, but they were just operating on their in under their own ideas, right? 
But the conclusions of the report are exactly the same as what we said in 2002. Hmm. Right. Exactly. The only difference that is that in 2002, we were telling this thing. In 2009, it was MLB who was saying, this system is corrupt. We need to change it. Yeah. We need to like, do this and that and that. And we, 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 we celebrated the report. Because, sure. Because, <laughs> because we were under attack for many years. But at the same time, we were so upset about it. Because we, we said, come on, like, if you just listen to us, in 2002 and you start working on changing the system in 2002 mm. you you wouldn't have the problem that you had today but you ignore that you decided there were no problems and you let the problems grow and 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 it was when they they had no other choice when they saw that the corruption was so high like these people were gaining so, so much power that they decided to do a report and analysis of the whole system but mm -hmm. they, they, they could have done that many years before and, and, and later, I'll, I'll write a couple or, or three paragraphs from, from that report that it, it tells the whole story. You know, it tells the, the story because at the end, I think the ba basic premise and, and, and probably people who are listening to this will, will say, well, uh, these kids are getting a, an opportunity to escape poverty through baseball. Sure, and that's sure. a good thing. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because these, these are poor countries, especially the Dominican Republic. So if you're a kid in the Dominican Republic and you want to do something and you get the opportunity to play baseball and you get the opportunity to get paid for that and, and with that income even the signing bonus or any other income related to baseball you will help your family they, they will help their families they will build houses for their moms and stuff so all great things all great things there's a but coming yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but <laughs> the problem is that only two percent two percent of the players they sign make it to the big leagues the rest, the 98%, some of them get decent signing bonuses, mm -hmm. but half of that signing bonus go to the Buscon. Then these are people with no education, with no guidance, so basically they waste that money in like probably a year or two, and then they have nothing. So they're back in the same place that they were before. But worse, because... And how old would these people, would these well, kids be? Well, the... the in, in order to sign in the Dominican Republic, you need to be 16. And 16 but you, you, yeah. you, you, you need to start playing really like professional baseball since you are 11 or 12. Wow. So you, you have to give up education, any education opportunity to play baseball when you are 11 or 12. So, so they you don't stop go, going to school. You they go don't to these go to school. academies. Yeah, they don't go to school. They go to these baseball academies, and they are professional baseball players. They play full-time baseball since they are 10, 11. Yeah. Because they are betting, they're going to be signed, and they're going to make it. Okay? Yeah. Nobody tells this guy that only 2% make it to the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, that if you talk to them, like, they think 100% will make it to the big leagues. Sure. And, but the, and, and that's not their problem. Their kids, like, they're, they're, it's, it's great that they dream about that. Yeah. But the, the problem is when the system is not telling them the whole truth, the whole story, like, MLB uh, and this is a system that the MLB is supporting. Is supporting. It's create. It, they, they created the system. Hmm. They created the system, and they are taking advantage of the system. But because again, they they have a real problem of getting baseball players in the United States. That's the reason why they are signing so many players in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela because they they don't have 
the passion for the game is not the same. There are not many great players playing in high school, in college. So they need they need this additional source of players. Mm -hmm. So they created a system. They sell the system as a great system. They sell the system as a way out of poverty. They don't tell the whole story. Sure. They, they, they sell they, that dream, right? They sell the dream. They take advantage of the dream. And so at the end, what is, what, what's happened? What, what, what happened is that this kid will sign the lucky ones. Then the, the really, really lucky one will make it. But then you have 98% of players signed that will get released in three, four years after they are signed. Mm -hmm. They have to go back to the Dominican Republic or they have to go back to Venezuela with no education, with no money, mm -hmm. completely frustrated. Like many feel that they were taking advantage of the system. And, and that's it. That's the story for them, right? That, and what's the, so what's the story for an 11-year-old kid growing up in Canada, following that same path, how is what's what's he, the difference? I want I, like I know what it is, but let's highlight it for, he, for the listeners. He will have to go to high school first, yeah, and to get signed after high school or to, well while he's in high school, or he will have to go to college I and mean, get signed mm -hmm. when he's in college. And but the best example of, to explain that's in Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico, the Puerto Rico players were free agents until 1984 where they were incorporated into the draft. Yeah. So right now they had to go to college. They had to go to high school. And for me, that's great because if they fail, at least they have some education, mm. right? Uh, some tools that they can use to go back to society and do something, not like what, what's going on in the Dominican Republic of Venezuela with all these kids that are assigned. Uh, on the other hand, you, you talk to people in the Dominican Republic, and that's the that's why this is so complicated. And they feel that the system the system is great because they sign this kid and it's a way out of poverty. And but yeah. uh, but, but they again the, all of them ignore what happened after they are released, mm. after they don't make it. Yeah, uh, and and I normally try to push them to talk about that. And I try to push MLB to offer educational opportunities for players after their release so they can get back to their countries and do something. Um, but they're not doing really anything right now. And, and, and that's sad because they should, they, they, they should do something. They are part of the, the, these, these players after their release, they, they have no opportunities also because of MLB because of the, of the same system that was created by MLB. So MLB should take responsibility and do something to help this kid to go back to their countries and do something normal like any other person. And they're not doing it because it costs money too. So. Hmm. Talk to me about uh, Alexis. What was, what was his story? Well, the, the book is about... We, we, we talk a little bit about the globalization of baseball and then we... we, we tell the story of Alexi Quiroz. We wanted to tell the story of the player who didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Because normally in baseball, it's all romantic, right? Like sure. you, you read about the guy who made it from nothing and then he became a star and made millions of dollars and stuff like that. And everything is beautiful. That, that's, that was not what normally happened to a 
Dominican or a Venezuelan kid. So we say, why will why don't we write a book about what happens to 98% of the players? Mm-hmm. And that's what Alexis Quiroz came to us. Uh, we were looking for a player uh, with a story and with some documents that support his story because that's like that, that was really important, especially if you want to publish a book. Uh, no, it's not like we didn't believe Alexis, but we, we understood that once we published the book, we were going to get attack from the teams, attack from MLB, so we needed to be very, very serious about all the stuff that we had to support Alexis' story. So we had several meetings with Alexi, and he told us this amazing story like you know, of a kid who just signed because he had this dream of making it to the big leagues and all the things that he had to go through in the, in the minor league, well, before the minor league in the whole signing process, after that in the minor leagues, and then they, they, he had an injury while playing in the academy in the Dominican Republic. He got released. And so everything is, we, we told everything in the, in the story, and, and it's completely the opposite of what like other books about Latin, Latin American players tell. Mm-hmm. No, like it's not, this guy is, the, is not Sammy Sosa, it's not no. any of those like, stars. It's, the, it's just a guy. Just a guy who had a dream, didn't make it. He was discarded by the system, and we say, well, that's that's what normally happens. So it sh- we should tell that story. Yeah, I think we 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 were inspired by by that. And he, he currently he's a lawyer. No way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He went back to to school after all this. Maybe inspired because I, I was a lawyer and David's a lawyer. So he went back to law school, and currently also he worked for with young players. He's an agent, like okay, and huh. trying to do the right thing, not what it was done to him. So yeah, so he. I'm, I'm very happy with, with Alexi. We 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 still friends. We we talk every time. What's the role that, in your opinion, that the ones who made it, mm. right? The uh, the George Bells, the Bautistas, the Encarnacions. What's what role should they play in your opinion? Or or in, in fact, is there a role that they are playing right now to either fix the system, perpetuate it? Like what's happening, and what do you think they should be doing? That's a great question because when 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 we started working on these issues, we thought. We were we were gonna get great support from the players who made it, yeah, the Latin American players, and every time we talked to them, we had this feeling that since they made it, they first they didn't want to talk about the past, mm. and basically they were just not really concerned about the system because they made it. Sure. So if it's basically the message was. If I made it, anybody could made it, could make it. So, why to talk bad about the system, right? Sure. Uh, uh, of course, they are exceptional. I remember Tony Fernandez. Mm. I talked with Tony many times, and he was very open about it. He, they say his, the system has problems; they need to be fixed. Jose Bautista is another guy who is very open about these issues. He had written many things about it. Uh, but normally you don't get support from players. Normally, hmm. 
and it's basically because of that they 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 say well i made it the system worked for them yeah so it's not my problem that probably the system is bad it's corrupted there's many other issues but i was able to make it so and hmm. and, and it's sad because i think they should well, at the same time, they are not like advocates, right? Like they, they are baseball players, and and, and yeah, and yeah, and, and and they want to keep playing baseball, and they they don't want to be a political figure while playing baseball because that could create a negative effect on their careers because they they will be label label as like a hot headache or a crazy guy or. So, like you're not gonna see established baseball player talking bad things about MLB teams or what MLB teams are doing in, mm. in Latin America because eventually he doesn't know if he's gonna stay with this team or he's gonna sign with a different team. So yeah. basically, it's better just to keep quiet, right? And it's sad, but it's the reality. But when their playing days are over, like Tony Fernandez, when the plays, yeah, they they will talk about it. They yeah? will talk, yeah, they they will talk. Some of them they will work. On some of these issues, they yeah. will try to 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 push for educational programs in the Dominican Republic. Uh, if they are really rich because they made a lot of money in their career, they will just not they they, they will just not do really much about it. Yes, so. they just want to enjoy <laughs> yeah. and play so, golf or whatever. Yeah, so yes. wow. You 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 find people sometimes, but it's not something like they they will yes. They, it's their responsibility. Like if they push these things, mm -hmm. if they push, if they tell MLB to improve the system in general and to offer educational opportunity for kids who are in the academies, or after their release and things like that, I think MLB will listen. But that's not the case. I remember growing up as a kid, hearing about players uh, going to play winter ball. You know to. And I can't remember, you know, to work on their skills or to get better or to get reps in. I don't hear that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, w winter ball is, is all these leagues that are played in Venezuela, in the Dominican Republic, in Puerto Rico, and in Mexico from October to January. Yeah. Okay? And it, they, they, are, they are called winter ball because that's the North American... Yes. because <laughs> we, we don't have winter in the Caribbean, right? No. And we call them win Cari Caribbean leagues, okay? And that's why the, the, the final tournament that is the Caribbean series, like if you win your local turn uh, title, you will go to represent the country into the Caribbean series, not the okay. winter league series. Not right? a winter, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, because I call them sometimes winter leagues, so don't, don't worry. Don't yeah. Worry. But uh, but it, but I just want to 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 make the correction because we, we call them again Caribbean leagues. They they used to be so great for baseball for so many years. Uh, before players start making a lot of money in the big leagues, uh, and I'm talking about probably until early 1980, 1980s, mm -hmm. playing winter ball was great for them. Was great for them because they will make sometimes more money playing in the Caribbean leagues than in the big leagues. Hmm. Um, so for many years, these leagues were awesome. Like like when I, I grew up in Venezuela, I saw great players, like great players, established MLB players, uh, prospects, like real good prospects. I, I, I think in one of the pitch talk I was talking about, there is a team in Venezuela that is called Cardenales de Lara, 
who had a working agreement with the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm. And I'm talking about in the 70s, early 80s. Basically, those years, the same thing that you were watching here in Toronto, I was watching the same team playing with Cardinales de Lara. Huh. Like the Jesse Barfield, Louis Mosby, Willie really? Upshaw, wow. all of them. Like they were playing here, they finished the season here, and they will go to play with Cardinales de Lara. And, and, and for me, and, and that was the same case with many of the other teams in, in, in yeah. the league. So, so I, 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 was, I, was, I saw great baseball, great baseball. And I think that's the reason why these countries are so passionate or were so passionate about it. Then players started making money. It didn't make economic sense to go to play there because they, they didn't need the money. Then there were other restrictions. The team starting to take more control over players and saying you can get injured while playing Caribbean ball. Uh, and that on, no, not only applied to the American players, but it all, that also applied to the local players, to the Venezuelan players. They, they were not allowed to play in Venezuela. Or Dominicans, they're not allowed to play in the Dominican Republic. So, uh, so, and that, that's how the league has changed so much. Like right now, you don't see many players going, or the good ones, mm -hmm. going to, to these leagues to play, even if they're prospects. Josh Donaldson played in the Dominican Republic, but, but Donaldson, when he played there, he was, he was a young kid and he wasn't a prospect really. Like he became a good player recently. Um, he played in, in the Dominican Caribbean. Republic. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, like through history, like all the Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, uh, Frank Robinson, Sandy Coffers, uh, Way Box, wow. Carl Rickham Jr. Like, like if I tell you, and before that, all they start from the Negro Leagues, uh, playing Caribbean, Caribbean ball because also because of the money. They were making so much money in playing in Venezuela, in the Dominican Republic, in Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. in, in Cuba. Uh, and at the same time, this country, they were escaping. The, this country were better country for them because they didn't feel discriminated in this country. They, they, they could go and eat in any other restaurants or stay in the same hotel as the rest of the teams. Yeah. So this, like, great Negro League starts spending ton tons of times in, in Latin America, in the Caribbean leagues. So, in each generation, like my granddad saw the start of the Caribbean, of the Negro League, I, my dad saw established base, MLB stars playing baseball in, in Venezuela. I saw established stars, and, but more on the prospects. Yeah. Like right now, there's nobody going there playing ball. And, and because there's no money anymore. There's, there's yeah. no money. <laughs> They're making millions of dollars. Exactly. And, and this strict control. On the players that, mm -hmm. yeah, what you can and cannot do, yeah, and, and all yeah. the risks and all the stuff, and and so so these leagues are struggling lately, and that's bad for baseball. That that's what they don't understand. They they think that that's a good great thing because that's they need to exercise control over the players, but they are forgetting that these leagues are the main responsible of creating fans. Yeah, and it seems that they in so in early in your book you're talking about the globalization, right? That they want to export the game, and mm -hmm. so that people are watching it on pay per view or on different cable networks overseas, mm -hmm. 
are buying jerseys and hats and collecting baseball cards, you know, at a young age and growing up with mm-hmm. the game. And uh, so it seems counterintuitive no, to well, not want to support baseball, especially in the Caribbean that supplies great players to their league. Well, that, that's a great point because it l- let me explain what is the globalization concept that MLB has in mind. Okay. MLB wants to globalize the game to increase revenues, okay? That's the, their main focus. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so you have to differentiate between mm. market to between consumers and fans, okay? When when they ah. want they when they want to globalize the game and they go to Australia or they go to Europe, yeah. they're not thinking about creating fans there. Consumers. They're thinking about creating consumers. Because there are people who have the, enough money to buy the product that they'll sell, okay? The, the fans in Latin America are just fun. Because they don't have the money. They don't have the money. To buy so the Yankees hat. Exactly. <laughs> so they are basically, they don't care about this fund. <laughs> They're ignored by MLB because they, they, they are not going to produce money. And that's the difference about the, their concept of globalization. But it's, it's absolutely wrong. Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that they will do a game in Australia. And they won't do an MLB game in the Dominican Republic or in Venezuela or in Puerto Rico. Well, they canceled the last one because of Zika or in Mexico every year. As yes, to be thankful of these countries because yeah. all the investment they have done through the years in baseball, they're really baseball fan. And so, so, so it make for me, it's like, it doesn't make any sense that they will play in Italy or they will play in Spain or they will play in Australia and not playing in, in the Dominican Republic because they say the stadiums are bad. Oh, come on. Like, really? <laughs> you're, you're playing a rook. You have to adjust a rugby stadium to yeah. play in Europe or to play in Australia. And you sure. cannot go to play into a stadium that hold, like they, they play winter ball there. Like, yeah. So it's, it, it doesn't make... But, but the reason is that they cannot make money out of those games. There's no money there. Yeah. So, so, Interesting. So it's not, we are fans, but we're not consumers. Ah. Other countries, they're consumers. consumers. And probably they don't. That's a sad state. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't talked about Cuban baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, things, things are changing now, or, or there's a, a hope or a belief, I don't know what the right word is, that, that things are changing. Um, but players have to, in the past, have had to defect mm-hmm. to be able to get drafted or not even get drafted. They're free agents, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Um, what, what, do, what do you think of, of these impending changes? And what will that mean for baseball players in Cuba and, and Cuban baseball in general? Well, they, they need to change the way this system is working now because, uh, as you say, that this... Like we know, there are like drug cartel behind some of this operation to take Cuban players out of the out of Cuba. Uh, it happened with Yaciel Puig. We, we we know there is like mafias be <laughs> they are sending like fast boat to Cuba to to take the players out of Cuba and then represent them. Like the the system is completely out of control. Like that that system because there's too much money, right? Like, 
the, these good Cuban players are signing for 30, 40, 50 million dollars. So. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, they, they have to change that. And, but the Cuban government, they don't want the Cuban players to be free agents, like in Venezuela or in the Dominican Republic. And it makes sense for them because what the Cuban government wants, if they're free agents, the Cuban government won't get any out of those and the leagues will could we say well what happened in Dominican what happened in Venezuela will happen in Cuba where there will eventually be no Cuban baseball exactly because because basically the relationship will be directly from teams and players so they and and agents but the agents will work in different different ways so the Cuban government say that that's not like the right system for them Mm -hmm. Because what they want to do is to get a piece of the signing bonus. Sure. So they want to create a system similar to the one in Japan or to the, to the one in Mexico. Yeah. That's the, their ideal system. MLB is pushing for the free, free agency. agency system. So there is a clash there. And it's been a, 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 a conflict there for many months. And now. it's an economic yeah. Reason, right? It's an on both on both sides. On both sides. On both But I can side. see being if if someone was a fan of Cuban baseball or, or Cubans themselves would say, we want to protect our league. We want to protect our league, yeah. and and we spend a lot of money and time and developing the players well. these players. Yeah. Uh, and it's fair for us to get something out of these players. Sure. If you're gonna come here and sign them, that it makes perfect sense. Is the same argument in Mexico. Is the same argument in Japan. Uh, so. They're, I think they're working on that still. Hmm. I, I, I don't think they have a clear approach. MLB, again, is trying just to push so hard just to get the free agency system and just to go there and sign any player that's without rules. And, uh, and that's not what the Cuban government wants. So I don't know what is going to happen, but but eventually they have to figure out something because yeah. they, uh, how is the system is working now is, is horrible. The, the Japanese system must pay their players enough or must have enough economic clout that MLB hasn't bullied them mm -hmm. the they, same they, way they've bullied they, Latin they, America. They, yeah, they really respect that league. And I think that respect, they, they want that respect. The, the, the owners in the Japanese leagues, the way they work, the way how this, the, the history of those leagues. So I'm pretty sure MLB tried to bully them because that's what they do in general. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but the Japanese system had a clear strategy in mind. So I, I think that's great. The Mexican league, that happened through a lot of problems and time. So, but they also they defended their position, and, and they won that. That's again. That's not the case in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. And 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 the the problem with Cuba is how strong is the government now and the Cuban government and and if they're going to be able to to keep that position and and to win that right. But well, we 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 will see. We will see. Um, talk to me about you mentioned Yesel Puig. Um, and, and the mafia connection. Mm -hmm. um, I remember reading something about that. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about that. What's what, what what happened, or what is happening? Well, what happened is that you have people with illegal money that want to laundry money 
in Mexico or, or even in the Dominican Republic, uh, they are running sometimes academies, baseball academies. Okay. Uh, and sometimes they get the offer or the plan to take a great prospect out of Cuba. Again, like if it is a great prospect, you can sell that guy for $40, $50 million. So they have also the money how to do the whole thing. So they will find the player. They will basically kidnap the player. They will take control over the player. Then they will call themselves the agent of the player. They will negotiate with an MLB team who is interested in signing the player, who doesn't really care about how the player got out of Cuba. Did even... even can even ask questions about that because they want to avoid like learning that these people are behind those transactions. So the team will sign the players on good faith, but at the end, eventually they will learn that how this player came out of Cuba. And that's something that is happening not just with Yasiel Puig, it's happening with other players as well. Hmm. And, and MLB is aware of that. And part of this also pushing to, to create a system in Cuba is to stop that. Um, but again, like they, they need to negotiate that with the Cuban government. So? <laughs> it's, it's a mess, I know. Wow, <laughs> all right. Um, I only got you for a few more minutes, and, and I, I want to thank you, uh, Arthur, for, for taking the time to, to talk to me and, and, and to come here. Um, I, I want to read the the, yeah. the part of the of the Alderson report. Yeah. So this is uh, Sandy Alderson who went down to Dominican Republic yeah. uh, to report back to MLB on how the system of signing children actually works. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, probably it would be better if you read it. Well, if you can, let me see. I'll read it and and then I'll hopefully I'll get a link to this and you can I can include it. Awesome. In the show. show. Okay. All right, here we go. So, Alderson reports, Corruption by club employees working in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela is a major issue. Five clubs have terminated employees for accepting kickbacks from Boscones, uh, and the DOI is actively investigating other cases. The Department of, of Investigation, that's DOI. There is no system currently in place to regulate the conduct of uh, Boscones, and these are the quote-unquote illegal Agents. Yeah, the informal agents. Informal agents. Yeah. yeah, and still that was in 2009, and still there is no system in place. <laughs> so, <laughs> this this next one is interesting. <laughs> A serious problem in the Dominican Republic is the use of performance-enhancing drugs. We need to actively investigate allegations that Busconis are facilitating the use of drugs by players. Yeah. So there's an, they, they, I, I think you talked about this at pitch talks. Where you're saying, yeah, they all take drugs, they're all big on it, they're, you know. Yeah. And it's interesting, he says there is a problem, but then he's saying we need to investigate what we've already investigated. Yeah. Which means they're not going to do anything about they, it. And they are not doing anything about it. Um, there's a lot, should I read all of this? Yeah. The, the club academy directors and international scouts with whom we met stated that corrupt Bascones were a major prob uh, problema for clubs but that clubs were hesitant to confront these bus buscones out of concern that the clubs would be denied access <laughs> to their players. They sure. further stated the corruption among club officials in the Dominican Republic is prevalent. Yeah, you can, you can close with that one because that's, that's basically, if you want to 
saying one paragraph what is happening in the Dominican Republic right now is that paragraph. Like you have a corrupt system that is run by these buscones. But teens are afraid of the buscones because these buscones have control, control of so players. many players. Yeah. So if the, if the teams will say something or if MLB will do something, these buscones will not negotiate these players to these teams. Mm -hmm. So teams are not saying anything. They just negotiate with them. Yeah. Even though they know some of these buscones are corrupt, some of these buscones are giving performance-enhancing drugs to the kids, yeah. some of these buscones are stealing the money out of these kids. So, but they don't want to mess up the opportunity to sign the kids. Yeah. It kind of is really weird, right? Like because at the end, that again, that system was created for them. They are a major like entity. They they have an income of nine thousand million dollars per year. They know social responsibility. They do social responsibility in the United States. But once they, you see those things in the Dominican Republic, they will ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Um. They're still talking about Bautista's bat flip. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I thought Bautista laid it to rest in his article mm -hmm. that he wrote in the Players Tribune, which I thought was yeah, it was point. Great. It was yeah. that's the point. The point wasn't uh, that he doesn't respect players or doesn't respect the game. It was a moment where, as a child, when you do something amazing and great, you you celebrate it. It's it's a and not even as a child, but. And I, I'm not from that culture. I don't know. You're from Venezuela. You know more than mm -hmm. I would. But there's a culture of celebration, it seems. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is who they are. This is how they react Absolutely. to, to quote-unquote winning. Absolutely. I grew up watching players do all kinds of celebration. And, and they were passionate about the game. And fans were passionate about the games as well. And, and we sing songs during the games. Yeah. We tell players stuff. We, we yell at them like if the if a player in Latin America won't do anything or won't show emotion, we think the guy doesn't care huh like well here you are supposed to not show emotions like it's so weird because yeah remember these these are not players that are coming from Mars no these are players who who started playing very young in a culture where that's prevalent and that's how you are supposed to react and you th they have been playing that way for many years then they come to the united states and they have to adapt and just adjust to the to the but some of them they they don't want to adjust because they yeah. don't feel they are offending anybody and, yeah and 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 that's the case with Bautista, and that's the case with many other players um so and i i don't know why is it like we we don't see us disrespectful of the game we, we see as part of the game in Latin America yeah so for me it's fine like I'm all for it <laughs> <laughs> so and of course it, and if you're a fan of a team you know that if your players are allowed to do that other players are allowed to do it as well so you don't get offended because of that because that's part of the or game mm -hmm. right like so but it's yes it's yes it's it's the same way like the, the invasion of Latin players because we have so many Latin players now and they are bringing all these things that are not baseball and and it's the opposite like Americans invaded Latin American with baseball 
many, many decades ago. And they, they sent so many great players to these Caribbean leagues. Mm -hmm. so, so we are just the consequence of that. Like we are the consequence of what they did, <laughs> that what they created. We just put a spin on the game because of our culture, because the way we see the game, because we, the passion we have for the game. Like that, 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 that's not wrong. I don't see it as a, as a wrong thing. I, I think it's a great thing, but, but well, people, not, not, not everybody agrees with that. Right? You've, you've <laughs> spent many, many hours in games and press boxes and stuff. And I only know of our Toronto, you know, Jamie Campbell, Zahn, Jerry Howarth, uh, now Dan Shulman, mm -hmm. uh, Pat Tabler, and so on, Buck Martinez. Um, sp specific to Greg, Greg Zahn, do you, have you ever had a chance to speak to him and explain to him about here's how Latin Americans He played in Venezuela. And he doesn't <laughs> understand? I think he does, but he takes that position... Because you, you have the players who take the strong position that the game is a sacred thing and it has to be, everybody has to respect the game and respect the, op the opposition and stuff like that. So he's defending that and have no problem with that. Really. <laughs> like if he wants to take that role. Do you I'm remind sure. him, hey, you played in Venezuela, remember? Yeah, he played <laughs> in Venezuela and probably he bad fleet in Venezuela. So <laughs> Because who cares? Like really, in Venezuela, if somebody bad fleet, like that's like part of like. Uh, but yes, and and I, and I think it's bad for baseball to believe that there is one way to play baseball, because yeah. there is no one way to play baseball. Like the if you go, you you told me you went to Taiwan. Probably they play baseball in their own way. In Japan, they play baseball yeah. in their own way. In Latin America, we play baseball on our own way. So. There are many different ways to play baseball, and it cannot be like the only way, the right way, isn't the here. Like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. There should be a celebration. It should be of a celebration. Fans should be really passionate about it. Yeah, I, I see here fans are really passionate about the Blue Jays. Yeah, during the game, so like the same with the players. What what's wrong with that? Like, yeah. And so, but. It will take time. Like some people are against that, some people are all for it. So, but what, what we can do? I, I have to respect their their point of view because I want them to respect my point of view. Fair too. enough. You know. Fair enough. Uh, Arturo, thank you so much for coming and spending time with us. Um, and uh, I look forward to uh, if it's not at a pitch talks, uh, maybe uh, bumping into you at a baseball game. Uh, but definitely finishing uh, your book. I look forward to doing that um, and hopefully bringing you back in. Of course. Thank and, you, Karin. It was, it was a pleasure more. and anytime. Awesome. Anytime. Thanks so much.